chapter 7. Look at verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, it lasts forever. There's a fountain inside of you. There's like a river inside of you. And then in verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Christ had not yet been glorified. He hadn't made the payment for sin, come back from the dead, and the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. He says, but when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to send the Holy Spirit to everyone that believes. You don't pray for the Holy Spirit. You don't beg for the Holy Spirit. You don't get down and whine and pine and moan and groan and forsake or bake and turn to burn. You don't do nothing like that. All you do is believe. So 52 years ago when I believed that Christ did it for me, the Holy Spirit indwells me that very moment. And I have been sealed until the day of redemption, until the day I leave this body. I'm going to give me a new one. So there's no way that I can be unsealed because it's from the time that I believe till the time I get my new body. It's a done deal. That's why I can't go to hell today, tomorrow, never. Do you realize the peace of mind that ad is? You say, you don't deserve that. How do you know? I mean, no, no, I don't. I don't deserve it. But I'm going to heaven because God loves me that much. But God loves you the same way. And all you have to do to go to heaven is believe it. And then once you trust Christ as Savior, you never have to doubt again. Because he'll never cast you out. He'll never lose you. Greatest news in the world. Chapter 8. Look in verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And when he got ready to leave, he says, Ye are the light of the world. I like that. I'm the light of the world. You see, this is why God even took his people, because of their rebellion, scattered the nation of Israel all over the earth. Every nation. Wouldn't it have been neat if all those individual Jewish people that were scattered all over the face of the earth had been little lights? What they could have done. Do you realize that there's times in your life that God may uproot you? And send you here or there, wherever, because God wants you to be a light wherever you go. And there are certain places that are dark. And God needs you here. There may be a place of business that, man, they are as wicked as wicked can be. If, well, I don't want to go there. That might be exactly where God places you with all those heathen to shine for him. You see, God doesn't need everybody to all be in the same spot. God wants us in the world. That's why we have to, by radio or the internet, however, we've got to get to the world. Well, the light doesn't do any good. We could all sit here and say, let my little light shine. To who? I got one too. You got one too. We already see the light for shining is because there's a lot of people still in darkness. And God wants to use us. Chapter 9. Look there in verse 25. In verse 25, there was, had been a story of a blind man. 
he could not see. And these stories are written in the Gospel of John so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. And so it tells a story about a man that was blind, and he was made to see. And so he says in verse 25, he answered and said, whether Christ, talking about Christ, is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. For 18 years of my life, all I know is I was blind. And my father-in-law led me to Christ, and now I see. I love that song in Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. I was blind, now I see. You see, I know how to go to heaven. I'm not lost anymore. You see, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven when you die, you're lost. You're lost. You're still in darkness. All you got to do is believe what Jesus said. Believe the truth. And when you believe the truth, you have the light. The way to go to heaven. It's a free gift. And it's all we have to do. Look here in chapter 10. In chapter 10, I want you to look at this one verse, verse 28. What a verse. And I give unto them temporary life. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish unless they sin again. See, you can add anything that you want, but it's not in the Bible. He says, and they shall never perish. That means in the future, male or female, or neuter, if you don't know which one you are. Anywhere, anytime, any place, time and eternity, never perish. Can never go to hell. And that's why it says, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Look up here. I am in his hand. Nobody, you or anybody else, no man can pluck you out of his hand. Why? See, I'm trusting him to take me to heaven. So my going to heaven depends upon him keeping his word. You see, most people say, well, you've got to live like it. Live like what? You say, you're trying to tell me you can live like the devil and still go to heaven? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Of course. So I ain't never heard no preacher say that. Well, then they haven't got the courage. I'll tell you what the Bible says. Should I, as a child of God, because I'm going to heaven, I should live like it. But how I live doesn't affect me getting there. I'm going to heaven because, see, it's free. It's the gift of God. And that's some mighty, mighty good news. Look in chapter 11. Chapter 11. There's the story about Lazarus. You see, the story about Lazarus, God already knew that he had died. He said, well, then let's go to the funeral. He says, Master, it's been four days. He stinks. He says, I'm glad he's dead. He said, it doesn't say that. But look at verse 15. Lazarus is dead in verse 14. And I'm glad. That's what he said. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sake. I'm fixing to give you an object lesson. You see, I can tell you I am the resurrection and the life and that everybody's going to come out of the graves. Uh, that's mentioned in chapter 5 also. About the great 
resurrection. He says, let me show you something. I said, this ought to knock your socks off. Let's go. Of course, Mary and Martha met him in just a boo-hooing. If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Because they knew he could have stopped that. Isn't that how we are? Lord, if you know who I am and you know where I am and if you really love me, why did you let this bad thing happen to me? Do you know who I am? <laughs> but anyway, here we are in Gospel of John in verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You believe all of this? She said, Lord, I believe that. I know that's true. He says, but do you believe that I can do it now? I mean, if I am, I can, I can do it now. I am. President, I am. This is who I am. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. In verse 27, she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which cometh into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way, called Mary. And then a little bit later, he says, Lazarus, come forth. Probably hadn't called him by name. Everybody in the whole cemetery would have got up. Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man comes to life. Would you be afraid of serving someone who has the power to bring you back from the dead if somebody took your life? I still don't want to die. I said, I've never done it before. I don't want to hurt. I don't know what that last moment would be like. It scares me to death. Think about it. But every one of us are going to die one day. But see, all of our faith and confidence is in someone who came back from the dead can give life. And that's why he says, if you believe in me, you shall never die. And though you die, yet shall you live. You see, when I was born into the world, flesh, I trusted Christ, spirit. If a man believe in me, he'll never die. That's the second birth. But though he die, this one, yet shall he live. Makes it so much easier. Chapter 12. As you go through life and you realize who he is and what he's done for you, and you know the only hope for the world is that they put their trust in Christ. So he says in verse 21, The same came therefore to Philip, which said of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sirs, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Now, in the same chapter, in verse 32, he says, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw men unto me. So if I can get people to see Jesus because I lift him up in my messages, because I honor him and I glorify him, I expect people to look to Christ. I expect people to believe on Jesus Christ. When I witness to people, I expect people to trust him because the, 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 the message is so glorious it's hard for me to believe that anybody would turn it down. Oh, there's a few that do. But there's also people that say, that, that makes sense to me. I've never heard it like that before. They've heard about religion and all about the things they have to do. But they've never heard about what's been done. And it's the most important thing in all the world. Christ did that for us. Look there in chapter 13. Chapter 13. Look there in verse 13, chapter 13, verse 13, where he says, Ye call me Master and Lord, 
And you say, well, for so I am. If he is the Lord and he is the master, and we've already believed and we've trusted him as our Savior, and we want people to see the Lord high and lifted up. If he is the Lord, shouldn't he be Lord over me? You see, shouldn't I yield to the master? And look at the verse that he says here that's so important. Look in verse 17. If you know these things, that the Lord, he's, he's in charge, he's the boss. As a child of God, if I will allow him to be master over me because of my yielding to him. He says, if you do these things, happy are ye. I have wanted to be happy all my life. There's a lot of people who want to be happy. They're not happy. They're always sad, always down, always whining and complaining. Instead of being happy and joyful in the Lord, happy are ye. You want to be happy? Cast your cares upon the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sounds good to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. But see, nobody, and even God, he will not make you trust him as Savior, and he will not make you yield to him. He'll only make you wish you had of. You ever told your kids that? What he says, chapter 14. Chapter 14, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may come also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. <laughs> and somebody had a problem. Thomas said unto him in verse 5, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? He says, I am the way. I'm the way. Somebody said, how did you get to Chicago? We went by plane. That was the way. The way we got there was the plane. How do we get to heaven? By Christ. You see, he's the only way to get there. You reject Christ, you can't go. There is no other way. There's no option. There's no plan B. He is it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I think that's a wonderful thing to know. Chapter 15. You see, as you go through here, you'll notice that all of this builds. It builds. From one truth to another truth to another truth to another truth. What's the one thing that God wants us to do when we yield ourselves to the Lord? When we do that. And we explain to people the way to get to heaven. Well, look what he says there in verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear forth much fruit. It's about the fruit bearing. You see, it's because when we lift him up, because that's what people need to see. But that's because somebody has yielded to the will of God to be used. And as we yield ourselves to the Lord then God's going to give you fruit because you lift him up high. It will work God's way. Chapter 16. Chapter 16, look in verse 13. 
Did you know that as you seek to do what God wants you to do with your life, God says you're going to have the Holy Spirit living within you. And any man who desires to do the will of God shall know the will of God. You see, God knows whether you will do the will of God, even if you knew the will of God. So he says in verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come. You ought to underline this. He will guide you into all truth. All truth. If there's anything you want to know and need to know to do the will of God, it's the truth of the word of God. And the author of the scriptures live within you to teach you. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear and what he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. As you'll find out even in the book of Revelation, that was things to come. But you see, there's a reason why God does what he does and how he explains all of his stuff in his word. Look in John chapter 17. When he talks about prayer, the Lord's prayer, this is the Lord's prayer. This is where Jesus himself prays for you and prays for me. I think it's awesome. Because as you seek to do the will of God, you have the Holy Spirit living within you that maketh intercessions for you, who understands you, understands the work that has to be done, knows what strength you need, and knows that you need to pray and talk to your Heavenly Father. So God gives us in chapter 17 the perfect example of how to pray for yourself and for others. But look what he says there in, I'll get there in just a minute. Look what he says in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You see, there's things that God wants you to know. See, God wants you to walk with the Lord and talk to the Lord, and he wants you to get as close to your heavenly Father as you can get. And God will give you so much more knowledge that you never knew existed. And he will, it will burn inside of you. God is good. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, look in verse 36. In verse 36, he says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. I'll read that and I'll just stop and think. My kingdom is not of this world. Though he has a kingdom here. He has an army here. And he is the king. But we know that when he comes to the earth and sets up his kingdom upon the earth, the one that he promised to King David and the nation of Israel, that day is coming. And he'll rule upon the earth for 1,000 years. But right now, I simply want to, as a child of God, I am in the kingdom of God. His kingdom is not of this world. You see, our world and our fight right now is not with guns and bullets and hand grenades and things like that. We may use some of those in order to protect ourselves and our kingdom, but we're not here to conquer the world except through the message. That's why he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Because God wants everybody in the world, but we win our battles, our spiritual battles. 
by depending upon the truth of the Word of God to conquer the minds of individuals. We don't use force upon people who don't believe. Now, as a nation, we have nothing wrong in defending our freedoms that we have or our families and our kids, children and our grandkids. Uh, that's, remember, don't get mixed up. There's some people that are so pacifist, oh, I won't defend myself and so forth. And the guy comes to the door and he wants to rape his wife and kill his children. Well, come right in. Can I help you in any way? Uh, no, no, no. I know you're intense. I'm blasting you with a 12-grade shotgun right between the eyes. Like this old Quaker said one time, he says, I meaneth thee no harm, but thou standest right where I'm about to shoot. <laughs> Chapter 19. Chapter 19, look there in verse 30. Verse 30, Jesus is on the cross. He didn't said a lot of things. And then it makes the statement in verse 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he says, and you ought to underline these words in your Bible, it is finished. It is finished. Those are three powerful words. The payment for our sins were paid for on the cross. Not when he was buried and not when he came back from the dead. He died on the cross and shed his blood to make the payment Necessary for our sins. He gave up his life. And then he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Chapter 20. Look what he says in verse 30. Chapter 20. And many other signs. Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Why was this book written? So that you would believe on Jesus Christ. So that you could know that you have eternal life simply by believing on him. He says that's why he said it. See, there's nothing for you to do. It is finished. The work is done. All that you and I have to do, it's the only thing we can do, is accept that work that he did for us. I don't have to work for God. I don't have to do any good works to go to heaven. Christ did it for me. And he died on that cross and paid for all of my sins so that I could have, as a free gift, everlasting life. Chapter 21. In verse 5 he says, Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? See, they'd gone fishing. Because they were down and discouraged. And things weren't looking too bright. You know, Jesus has been crucified. They were having a pity party. James, Peter said, I'm going fishing. Everybody else said, I'm going with you. So they toiled all night. And what did they catch? Nothing. See, there's nothing in this world that satisfies once you know the truth. Once you know the will of God for your life, it's a devastating thing to an individual, an emptiness. To try to find some meaning in life when you have rejected the true meaning of life. He says, have you, have you any meat? Says, no. So he um, said in verse 6, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fish. 
That's not fair. I've been fishing. I've even been with Dr. Mr. Sizemore. And we fish on this side of the boat. Then we fish on that side of the boat. Said, Lord, there ain't no other side of this boat. Where's the fish? Did you know that when they was catching all these fish and the net's about to break and dragging it, uh, Jesus is on the beach. He already had some. So he says there in verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and dine. Come and dine. You see, once you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you know the will of God for your life, don't forget, you need to come and dine with the Lord. Spend time with God. He ought to be the most precious thing to you in, in all, this, this, all this world. But do you ever dine with him? Do you let him feed your soul? Or do you just talk to God when you need something? Use him like as a, you know, a backup. You know, Lord, I got this plan, but you're in my backup plan. When I need you, I'll call you. All right, you stay there, right there. I don't think you get it right. Look up here. This sin represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. All of us do things wrong. We are all in darkness. We've all gone our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. And God says because we committed the sin, we have to pay for it, and it's death and hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. Go to heaven, you have to be perfect. You've got to be righteous as God, and none of us are. We've all come short of God's perfection. And God says you cannot save yourself. So that's why this book was written. That we would understand that God hath made this same Jesus Christ Lord over all. And he sent his son into the world. There was a man named John who came to bear witness of the light. That means he, he came to tell you about Jesus. This is the Light that lighteth every man that comes in the world. Man can't get no light from nowhere else. He is the only light. He's the only truth. You reject Christ, you can't have light. You'll never have understanding. So Christ came into the world because he loved us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said, if you believe he did it for you, he would give you as a free gift, everlasting life. You get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not do it right now? If you're here tonight or this morning or listen by internet, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've heard about it maybe, but you just never did, would you trust him right now? God said if you would trust him right now, he will save you right now. He that believeth on me hath, present tense, hath right now, hath everlasting life. Do you believe that? Will you believe it? Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we thank you so much. Lord, it's a precious thing when we see individuals accept Christ as their Savior. And we know that by doing so, they become your child, your child forever, that you'll never cast them out and never lose them. We ask, Lord, that they would get a Bible and read and study it so that they can become strong, that you talk to them and help us to be a blessing to them. And also, Father, bless each person for being here. We thank you for them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.